raw, uncut, and unapologetic. Welcome to Men Talking Mindfulness with your hosts, John McCaskill and Will Schneider. Here we focus on helping men and those with men in their lives solve some of life's complex challenges through understanding the practices of mindfulness and how they can help. Each episode is in an environment free of judgment and criticism with a focus on authenticity and inner peace. Let's dig in. For all fathers, for those at the beginning of their fatherhood journey, we celebrate you. For those in the midst of the teenage years with your children, we support you. For those who yearn to be fathers and walk the hard path of infertility, we walk with you. For those who foster, who are foster, mentor, or spiritual fathers, we need you. For those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate you. For those who've experienced disappointment, loss, heartache, and distance with your children, we sit with you. For those who've lost their fathers, we grieve with you. For those who've experienced abuse or abandonment at the hands of your father, we acknowledge your experience. For those who continue to guide their children and the next generation as grandparents, we anticipate with you. For those who are seeking to foster cultures of integrity, creativity, and belonging, we appreciate you. We remember you and need you. I can see from our guest's face, he wasn't expecting that. This is from a Father's Day video from our guest, Travis Goodman. I just love the message. Travis is a licensed marriage and family therapist who is with us today to speak about men and depression, and we're gonna have a focus on fathers. Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Men Talking Mindfulness. I am your host, John McCaskill, joined by my co-host, Will Schneider. Today, we're diving into that topic, that topic that is often under-discussed, but profoundly impactful, men and depression, with a particular emphasis on fathers. We're honored to have Travis Goodman with us. Travis is not only a licensed marriage and family therapist, but has a rich background in holistic mental health. And he runs his own podcast, Therapy for Dads. He's got his YouTube channel for that. He's trained and certified in attachment-focused EMDR, emotionally-focused couples therapy, and dialectical behavior behavioral therapy. That was a mouthful. Hopefully I got that all right. (laughs) His his mission is to equip us all with the tools and skills for a peaceful, balanced, and fulfilled life. Travis, welcome to the show, brother. Thanks for having me on, guys. I'm so so stoked to be here. And um, yeah, I was definitely surprised that you um, read that. I was like, wait a second. I know this. I know this. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like I was was in church or something. It felt like like a prayer. So thank you for that prayer. That was awesome. Again, Travis, we're thrilled to have you on. And and for our audience, we're, we're thrilled to have you listening and tuning in, whether that's live or in podcast form later. And thanks for helping us to grow the show and for becoming more mindful. Now, that all said out of the way. I'm going to turn it over to my brother from another mother, Will, over there in New York City, who has some exciting announcements. We do have some exciting news. Our merch store is finally open. The Men Talking Mindfulness merch shop is finally open. You can check it out at mentalkingmindfulness.com slash shop. 
Um, so check it out. We're offering t-shirts, hats, mugs, tumblers, and more. John over there, look at that hat. John's Boom. rocking one of our new hats, <laughs> right, right? And I got to say, so in line with the show and our tagline of being raw, uncut, unapologetic, in full transparency, you may experience some sticker shock at first. You might be thinking, <laughs> these prices, what's the deal, man? $44 for a t-shirt? What the fuck? We hear you. <laughs> so, so here's the lowdown. Uh, the price you see uh, and pay covers everything. The print on demand, the um, plus shipping, handling, and taxes, and like the whole enchilada. And here's the kicker: we're not pocketing a single dime from this. Uh, we're not. We're, we're we are just about breaking even. So, like Zen Balance in the world of the podcast merch, we set up. Uh, we set up this way because we're about all about spreading mindfulness and community vibes, not patting our wallets. So, when you snag your uh, shirt or mug or whatever you decide to choose on our MenTalkingMindfulness.com/shop <laughs> link, <laughs> you know you're supporting the show, spreading mindfulness, and looking awesome while you're doing it. There you uh, go. Think of uh, yeah. Think of uh, you know when you're sporting your new MT merch it's like uh, a mindful fist bump from us to you <laughs> so thank you for supporting boom all right thank you for supporting the show in this way uh and once again it's men talking mindfulness.com slash shop um also like a couple more things here so thanks for hanging in there also we're looking to start uh we're gonna do our episode we're answering your questions um in the form of a voice memo that would be played live on the air uh so please if you have a question or a comment you can send us a voicemail uh, to be played and answered on the show, simply text MTM to 33777. Once again, MTM uh, to text MTM to 33777. Um, and uh, we're super excited to have you guys voice in the show. And lastly, uh, you know, we're actually now on TikTok. Uh, we're using TikTok platform. We have IG, which I know a lot of you guys are on, and also our YouTube. And you can find us just searching basically uh, Men Talking Mindfulness. And that's our announcements. And uh, let's dive into our opening grounding and breath practice, kind of to center and focus the show and, you know, uh, calm down this excitement. And <laughs> right. so we're just do I know, right? I mean, that merch short, John, we, we got merch, man. It's beautiful. So uh, let's exhale. We'll just do three simple parachute breaths. Um, let's start with a nice exhale out the mouth. Easy, easy, really good. Empty, empty, empty. Let's take a nice big inhale through the nose. And exhale long and slowly out the mouth. Easy, 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 easy. Good. Another deep breath in. Beautiful. Exhale out slow. Make it slower. Relax a little bit deeper and maybe melt any tension you have in your body. Last one. In with peace. Out with stress. Good. Open your ears. Open your mind. And uh, let's jump right in. Travis, thanks for being here. Love having you here with us. Thanks for doing that quick little breath work. Slow down. Right. Exactly. Clear the mind. Yeah. Yes. That's why we do it. I picked up on the in with peace, out with stress. That sounds like a Wim, Wim Hof. It is. It is. Sorry, I should quote. I'm quoting Wim Hof. But you right. have to Actually, do it with the with the accent. <laughs> in with peace, out with stress. I don't there know if I go. got that right, but I can try. Good enough. Good enough. Hey, Travis. Again, thanks for thanks for being here. Let's uh, lay the foundation for our audience. Uh, can you give us this kind of a, a brief overview of of 
what holistic mental health means and how it differs from more traditional approaches. Yes, um, this could definitely be a longer topic, but the the short and brief of it, like the elevator pitch, is kind of moving away from one-dimensional kind of medical model disordered. So, um, you know, like you... Like you have major depressive disorder or you have postpartum depression disorder or an anxiety disorder or whatever quote-unquote disorder. Now, uh, the caveat to that is not that that's necessarily a bad thing. I think there's some help in understanding certain um, – getting understanding of like what's going on with someone to, to better treat someone. But what can happen is I think we could go – we could be so one-dimensional and it's just this medical thing and it's just you have this just disorder – and I get, I think it become very stigmatizing, and then we mm. can we can get stuck in these these identities, these these labels can become who we are. And and now there are some people that sometimes that label really helps them and it brings relief. But I think by and large we need to kind of almost like step take a step back and get a more broader picture. It's not just this, you know, you're not this just this label, this disorder, but there's more to it. Um, and what I mean by holistic is we got to treat the whole person, you know, so if someone's coming in with maybe some depressive symptoms, I'll say, or some signs, um, you know, I'm not just going to say, okay, take this medication and get better and walk out my door, um, as the only thing I do, or, Hey, you have this label, here you go, you know, go take this medication and maybe do some basic, you know, do, do some CBT or some other therapy for 10 sessions and then move on. Um, now, again, for some people, that might be what they really need. But by and large, what I'm seeing is more of the psychosocial, what is going on, what's the story, how did they get here, you know, who are they, who is the person in front of me. And so that's what I mean by holistic. Holistic is the entirety of who they are, their past, their present, their future, you know, their family history. I look at their environmental, their social, their mental, their physical, their spiritual aspects, all these different components that make up the individual. They aren't just this one piece. So it's really just about broadening our perspective, really kind of taking a step back, slowing a bit, slowing down a bit, so to speak, um, almost like that breath work that was we just were led through to really kind of take in what's happening in front of us. Um, and again, there's a time and place for quick diagnosis and quick things I've done crisis interventions before and triage it's sometimes a little different in how we approach it because we need something now you know and crisis is again different mindset but by and large I think there's a better need and a more holistic approach when we look at these things because you could see that actually we can cure depression in a a myriad of ways it isn't just one one way there's a lot of things we can do that I think we don't really look at initially that we don't realize might be impacting um, our mood and when we look at those things, we realize, wow, we could do a lot of work naturally, holistically, that we we may not ever need to touch like medication or a diagnosis. So that's right. kind of what I mean by that. Yeah, perfect. Well, <clears throat> you touched on depression there. Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, the title that's right above our heads here, uh-huh. we're going to be talking about that, fathers and depression, men and depression. So let's talk in general about men and depression. Why, why do you think that is a topic that's not discussed as frequently, as openly as, as you may see spoken with among women. Um, and then narrowing that down further, why is it such, why is it so stigmatized when it comes to fathers? Mm, good question. Um, I think generally speaking, 
Um, I wish you guys have addressed this on the show before um, and read in these probably books and heard it, but a big one is obviously stigma and societal expectations along with cultural expectations around what it means to be, you know, a quote unquote man or what it means to be quote unquote masculine and um, certain things, you know, classically, if I'm obviously I'm going to be very general overgeneralizing here just to make the point, you know, men should be stoic strong and again strong in the sense of uh a narrow view of strength of you you know you don't show any signs of weakness or vulnerability um you don't show any signs of um flaws and and then you got the societal expectations of what it means to mean a man or provider um again not that some of these things aren't bad so hear me out when i'm saying these things not that some of these things aren't bad that men were going to do like they're good things but when we kind of take it all down and say this is the only way it must look it must only appear a certain way and if you're not doing this then you're not a man or you're not strong or you're not masculine and so what can happen is too is also how these men and boys have been raised in different cultures and different cultures have different influences too uh, you know, Asian American cultures, we got Hispanic, Latino, Latino cultures, we got, you know, the typical white wasp cultures we have. Mm-hmm. We have all these different cultures also that influence too what it means to be a man. And what we'll see is that I feel like every culture I've talked with, or the most, and I, you know, there's some I'm sure I haven't talked with, but all the ones we're probably familiar with all have some way of what they say a man should or shouldn't be and what it means to be strong and, and not strong. Um, and so as we're doing that, Something else I think about and work a lot with too is the area uh, the, around emotions. How men and boys have been socialized around what they're allowed to feel, what is yeah. what um, what men feel versus what they don't feel. And some of the classic ones are: well, men don't feel sad, men don't feel hopeless or helpless, men don't aren't supposed to feel, uh, you know, confused. All those more distressing emotions or anxious. It's more of hey, you should just get over it, move on, be strong you know get over it don't cry you know might you know wipe it away let's move on we got to keep going that's what men do and so what could happen is too is men learn that certain emotions are not okay or not valid and also i'm i would posit that i think along those lines men as they get older begin to see or relate to certain emotions as a type of threat to their nervous system and that's mm-hmm. something that i'm kind of been working on more with in the past in the most recent time is really examining their nervous system and uh when they're in a state of a sympathetic state of like fight or flight when it comes to certain emotions or freeze and shut down so when i think of a lot of men i work with you know feeling sad is or anxious or stressed is they go into their own fight flight freeze fawn response of trying to navigate it because those are those are threats to their system because they're not supposed to feel these things they're supposed to feel a different way and so when these emotions come they'll get aggressive they can get defensive they can numb out and shut down so they find ways to to deal with these emotions and often in ways that are more harming and damaging in the long term and often unproductive and so those are some of the things i see when it comes to men and then you know fatherhood to to niche it down further is well you take all of that uh you put it in a blender uh with kids and not sleeping and uh you know it's like there you go all the stuff that you already were dealing with whether well or not so well um typically especially in the first six months to a year it it everything just gets volumed up past you know it's like i the amp goes to 11 right right um and so 
Spinal Tap reference. You haven't seen it. Uh, <laughs> so, it, and so, the, or you get blended up, and so all those things, all those areas that you thought you might be able to compose, it almost becomes you, you're you are more ill-equipped because now those areas of I don't want to use the word weakness or flaws because they're not, but areas where we have viewed them in a in an ineffective, unhealthy manner due to how we were taught. Those areas just kind of get amplified. Right. And so then, then we have to really work even harder to deal with those areas that now we're feeling more because now we're not sleeping, especially in the early phases, or you know, now we're dealing with another uh, another human or humans, depending on if we have multiple kids or one, and then our spouses and just life and then work stress. So all these other stressors come on, and then what can also happen is then all those other traditional gender masculine roles can get piled on to what it means to be a provider and what it doesn't mean to be a provider and to be a dad not to be a dad and so then all those things start to you know boil so to speak and then begin to come out and and uh, and it's going to come out in ways again if you've if we're kind of stuck in this very narrowed boxed in view to be a man what we'll see is those They'll, they'll begin to get holes and leaks in your box and you start and then you see guys trying to manage it all and then they stressed out and overworked and then they can't keep it together and so it comes out in the ways of like aggression or or, de- or depression or irritability moodiness you know maybe thinking more other things that they start to rely on to manage themselves and so and then it just becomes uh really um it becomes unmanageable and then your family starts right. to feel it, your spouse, your kids. And so it gets to a point where then it affects, it bleeds out. And I, I think these men, when I do talk to them, they don't, it's not like they want it to, to come out, right? Sure. They, I think most men I've talked to are trying to do their best, but then they just doing what they know. And they're, they're not even yeah. aware as well, too. There's like kind of this lack of awareness of really what's going on for them. Because again, they've been taught that we don't really think or process any of this other wow. more vulnerable stuff. And so we keep it down. And so we go, we don't even examine it. It's like not even on the radar because right. we've been taught to not even go there. So we're so good at keeping that stuff kind of contained until, well, it starts to kind of that pressure to starts to kind of keep it, you know, fight its way up. And I think you shared it. Did you share this with on my podcast, John, about the, the, um, the trauma in the basement working out yeah then, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah like i love that one that, now so. box that trauma up it goes down, down yeah. into the basement and there's a whole set of weights down there and it's just working out and getting stronger and comes back stronger <laughs> yeah and it just it's going to blow down that door so it's yeah. coming out whether you want to or not i think that's the reality it's good right. it has to come out somewhere that energy has to go somewhere right um <clears throat> and eventually it's going to start to come out um in some ways yeah and you know i um sorry will i don't mean to dominate no, this but, it, but I'm just uh, good. while we're on that and now my voice is cracking of course because I'm getting all emotional <laughs> uh-huh. no, uh, no the uh, definitely turning the amp up right turning the amp up to 11 that's definitely what I've felt since becoming a father but I've also felt uh, um, over and above amplifying these expectations as a man Mm. There's also additional uh, feelings that I didn't have before, um, like shame about even feeling um, a depression, uh, sadness, any type of vulnerability, because I am the father in the household. And I grew up, um, you know, one of five children. I've got three older sisters and a younger brother. And 
my father's a very loving man, very kind, uh, would do anything for any of us. But there was also that traditional masculinity kind of model in our house in that I was the fourth child of those five. And whenever my dad would go away, even though I was the fourth child, he would pull me aside and say, hey, son, hey, son you are the man of the house now. <laughs> and no, I, I don't even remember how old I was, but and, and I found myself doing that with my son now. You know, my, my son is four. Wow. Wow. Um, and, you know, I, I'm saying it somewhat innocently. I'm like, hey, buddy, you're, you're the man of the house. But I don't think about the repercussions of that message saying, hey, you are the man of the house. You must provide and protect even as a four year old. Now, now as a father, I feel that I must provide and protect. And there is no way that I'm going to add a burden to my family by telling them that I am struggling with anxiety, that I'm struggling with stress, that I'm struggling with sadness, that I'm struggling with finances, whatever the case is, no way am I going to be an additional burden to them. Because mm-hmm. in that, if, if I'm doing that, then I'm failing as the protector because now I'm not protecting them from these. So it's, it's amped up for sure, in, at least from what I'm feeling. It's amped up, but it's also additional stressors added onto it because of the role of the man, but also because of the role as, uh, as a father in the family or expectation that we put on ourselves as, as the father. Quite often those expectations aren't even necessarily the full expectation. Sure, they might be part, but we put those on ourselves quite often. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah, and I see that. To get that. I, I definitely see that for sure too, is that um, th- those other expectations come in and those I think just, again, add more pressure to what's already underneath the surface. It, it's just amplified and, th- and those things could even exponentially amplify because now it's like I ha- it now becomes to I have to be a certain way. like. Right. should be doing this those shoulds and have tos get even bigger mm. and louder often um you should all over because myself. of what yeah, <laughs> yeah we should right. we do we should all over stuff and that as we know that doesn't <laughs> doesn't smell very good but um <laughs> yeah. yeah or feel good uh you know why don't why don't we stay in the basement of masculinity and fatherhood for a moment and uh you know from your experience working with all these different men and all these different fathers like what like if someone's coming to you fresh and you're getting in to know them a little bit better and, and working with them, it's like, what are some of the typical like coping mechanisms that they, you, you know, implore to, you know, kind of eradicate or, or at least suppress some of this depression that they're experiencing? Yeah. I'd say, um, primarily, and I'm gonna use this as a umbrella term, but primarily distraction. Um, okay and some type of substance Mm. so substance and distraction so and substance really is a distraction um yeah and substances can be anything from what you're probably thinking automatically you know the classic drugs and alcohol i mean that's where most people oh it's substance you know they're using substances we go there but substances are also other things like scrolling endlessly on tiktok yeah. Um, you know, yeah. unless you're on men talking uh, on mindfulness, media. you got, if you're on men talking <laughs> mindfulness on TikTok, you're good. You're fine. You're, yeah, you're good. Except for that one. Or if you're on therapy for dads, you're good. Or, or, you okay. go. so yeah. Outside of those two. Just those two. Outside of those two. You know, and, and some other type, I would say overworking, staying overly busy. It's mm-hmm. can be, I would view that as a distraction substance, you know, keeping the mind so active 
so I can't stop. I can't because sure. when I slow down, then all that stuff that yeah. I've been I've been distracted from now, especially at night when I'm going to bed, now all this stuff starts to flood my mind. And what tends to happen for a lot of these men is that that becomes, of course, overwhelming because it's like a fire hose. And so what can happen is you see these guys spinning and they ruminate and have these anxious thoughts and worried thoughts and they catastrophize, meaning going to negative, you know, horrible outcomes or they get more down and more de- quote unquote depressed because I can't, uh, clearly I'm, I'm messing up and I'm not doing enough and look at all these things that are going wrong or not, not well. And so, and then they find other ways to deal with it and they might, and then some guys do turn to traditional substances. They might be drinking more, you know, um, to right. just shut the brain down you know they might turn to pornography more they might you you know uh just watch just a bunch of random stuff just to distract and so because what they're doing too and this is something that i find and i do a lot of education around men and i'm I'm so convinced by this now through my training um with you know uh, over the past few years through the polyvagal institute how important and foundational being aware of our body and our nervous system how that is really everything's built upon that that's like the core foundation and how a lot of men really are so disconnected from awareness of what the body's saying and communicating and their nervous system because a lot of these guys they're stuck in a fight flight you know activated uh, state a sympathetic state or in a frozen state and what they do is to kind of propel them to regulate as they find ways to regulate their nervous system. So for example, a guy's coming home from maybe working 12 hours, he's feeling maybe quote unquote depressed or anxious, overwhelmed with all the, the responsibilities of being a dad, a father, a, a partner. Maybe he's already feeling like he's not doing enough. Provider. So we get, yeah. yeah, provider, protector, and he's just probably just struggling with just stress at work, just all the stuff. And had, you know, for years, doesn't really have a healthy outlet, has been a lot of repression suppression keeping at bay distracting distracting and so all this pressure's building and so you know he comes home and then maybe his kids are their kids they're just being kids and they're struggling with their little brains developing and their emotional regulation and so they have a, a quote-unquote tantrum or a behavioral quote-unquote problem uh and so then dad gets either typically super irritable and and yells a lot or screams or whatever and just has no patience or just numbs out and checks out and just leaves and then leaves his spouse by by themselves and just like literally exits right and becomes kind of a uh very unhelpful or again yelling or doing something like that resorting to kind of threats and punitive punishment because you know i don't know what else to do and i'm overwhelmed already and then when that's all died you know done then he's at night sitting there and now his thoughts are coming um and then he's like i'm feeling so overwhelmed and anxious I don't know what to do and so I drink and so what that drink does is that moves me out of my sympathetic fight flight state but it actually puts me into a shutdown dorsal so dorsal vagal is kind of a that's a disconnected state a depressed state which feels a lot better and then kind of an activated up here kind of overwhelmed state and so we get depressed but it's not grounded in safety. It's actually grounded in disconnection and isolation. And so that can then propel that kind of depression and you get more depressed, more isolated. And then, and then you get more disconnected. And I don't talk to my spouse because why would I burden her? Sure. I don't want to be seen as weak. There I don't want go. to put right. more oh, pressure boy. on her. And so then I don't say anything to her. And often these guys don't have actually good guy friends that they talk to. Right. Uh, they're just 
they don't have they don't have that kind of relationship. They have maybe guys they kind of shoot the shoot the shoot the shit with. And again, that's fine. Not that that's bad, but a lot of these guys don't know how or have a roadmap often for kind of a what it means to have a vulnerable, intimate relationship with another guy, another guy friend. Yeah. You know, and they'll they'll write that off. And so these guys are really kind of these solo lone wolves trying to navigate it. And they're suffering in their own kind of internal silence. And now people are seeing maybe signs, but they don't see that. They just see that he's angry or irritable or what, you know, has a drink, maybe he's drinking too much and things like that. They, they don't really see what's, you know, the boy, so to speak, inside who's really terrified and, 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 and hurting and hurting. needing someone to see him and be with him. And so we don't see that. Um, and often the spouse doesn't see that. Often the spouse will get the kind of the brunt of the defenses. Um, and then they often react too out of their own survival state because they're trying to survive too, right? And so it creates this tension and everything else. And so it just creates this problem. So that's typically what I see. Um, and I know it's a little narrative, but uh, you no, know, it's good, some man. people might be relating it, to that. As they, they, they are, man. The comments are coming in on the cool. side here. You know, um, thank you for diving into this. This is exactly what I've felt, but worse. So exactly what, what you're mentioning. So, mm-hmm. so as men what we're seeing is that we're ill-equipped to um properly handle some of these emotions that we may experience Mm -hmm. so with that uh, can you share a few essential tools or strategies that men especially fathers but men as a whole can incorporate into their daily lives Mm -hmm. to cultivate mental well-being yeah Mm. um and this is going to be generally generalized. Typically, if I'm working with someone, it's going to be more specific to sure. their their journey, their story. So, so in that sense, I got to generalize it here. But something else I want to say real quick. Another big thing I see is fear. Fear is the big driver of all this. I think fear is kind of that's what shame is, right? Not yeah. enough. I'm fear I'm, of failure. I'm, you know, failure, yeah. fear of not being a provider. So it's all fear-based. And so, and also too, what can happen is some of these guys, by the way, might have tried reaching out for help and then got shamed for it. Yeah. And so then yeah. they've also learned too, well, I've Suck already it tried up. that. Like, yeah. It's so vicious. It's so incredibly vicious. Go ahead. Yeah. So then why, why would I reach out again? I've already, my, so my nervous system knows that's a threat. Yeah. So that doesn't feel safe to me. And that's a little subconscious. So it's, it, and, and then when you ask him, it's like, well, I tried asking. You know, I went to this person, or maybe, maybe they could try to go into their spouse. And their spouse was stuck in their fight or flight state, and it wasn't a good response. Or maybe the way they delivered their help was in, a, in, a, in an effective way. So all they know is, like, I'm not doing that ever again. I would, I'm never going to go down that path. Right. Not right. doing it. You know, um, and then they get in my office sometimes because they've had crisis or something else happening. And so then they're kind of in that kind of crisis state again. So I do want to say that the fear is such a like undercurrent theme, fear of being hurt, fear of being harmed, fear of being like, it's just a threat. So, and um, real quick, while you mentioned that, I want to put out that fear is not weak, right? Um, Just like vulnerability is not weak. Fear is a natural human response Mm -hmm. and, you know, doing something about that fear instead of hiding, hiding behind a bottle or social media or not telling anybody, hiding, that's the weak side. But doing something in spite of that fear, going and seeking help from someone like yourself, Travis, going and seeking help from a friend or a family member and admitting that you uh, are in a challenging time 
that is courage is overcoming mm-hmm. that fear right doing it anyway right um so I yeah. just, since you mentioned that that so much of what it is the that we're experiencing is based on in fear i wanted to just touch on that sorry yeah. so yeah no and some and that fear too i think is, is here like in our head yeah and and the other part is the fear is in our body and that's like the, that's the polyvagal, that's our nervous system where it's right. below our conscious. It's more of a felt thing. So sometimes it's even hard to pinpoint with some of these guys because it's more of an, it's an automatic reaction um, because to ask for help is a threat and that's, that's actually dangerous. So my nervous system takes over and puts me into a disconnected state because that's safer for me. Um, and I, that's why I would say it's further even from weakness, it just, I would say yes, and it's actually it's an adaptive response to the threat, so it feels mm-hmm. safer, even though long term it's actually not what they need. But in terms of the nervous system and the brain, is that feels safer to do this than to actually try and be risk the the right. courage, so to speak, of harm again? And that's I think a big part of it too. Right, yeah. and you're uh, you were going to dive into some of the the essential tools oh, yeah. and strategies before. So. I <laughs> No, I mean, I interrupted myself because I, I wanted to add that. So, uh, <laughs> Thanks so the much grace, to man. say. I love it, Travis. Well, thank you. Thank well, you. that's the problem is you start talking about these things and, you you know, it's like yeah. you're like, well, and then there's this and then there's this and there's this because yeah, it's, all, well, it, it's, not yeah. just, it's not just a simple answer. Right. right. And, you're, and, and you're not a to talk about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so some things I do. Well, first and foremost, uh, I, I need to understand who they are. I need to know their story. Um, yeah. I need to know all the way back to I know classic stuff but I need to know their childhood I need to know where it began and the relationship what was the model of emotions in the home what was the model of conflict in their home you know what was the relationship like with their father with their mother um, and, and why have... are those things important Travis like just to kind of break it down a little bit more why are those things important well and this goes to the science of attachment um, it is you know, uh, you know the science of attachment really is about um, being born in the world and this sense of safety that we're supposed to supposed to have caregivers um, that provide a sense of safety for us that um, connect with us and that that's physical safety but that's also mental psychological and emotional safety um, and that starts off actually someone even argue in the womb right that what is yeah. mom feeling thinking dad feeling what's the energy of baby coming into the world that there's definitely some research that have examined that of you know can in womb in utero what's happening and and how those emotions and things affect kind of like stress hormones in mom or dad and like how those affect baby um so that's a that's a whole other thing but it starts really at that point and then when they're in the when baby comes into the world is actually living and breathing out of the womb then that starts and how how mom or how dad how caregivers respond to baby's cues when they're crying are they are are they responsive are they do they engage with the baby do they are they timely are they consistent now not perfect it's not about being perfect no parents perfect but it's it's consistency and dependable that the baby learns that mom dad caregivers whoever that might be their team is they're gonna they're gonna meet my needs they're gonna be there for me and i mean that creates a sense of safety and then a sense of being seen uh where i am um so for example if baby's crying it's like i go pick up my baby and i'm 
often soothed by physical touch and I might talk softer. I might say, oh, you're maybe they fell down. It's like, oh, you got hurt. Oh, I'm so sorry. That looks, man, that hurts. And so I'm seeing them where they are. I'm acknowledging, I'm validating, which then brings a sense of soothing as I hold them and I'm kind of soothing their nervous system with my calm nervous system and physical touch and affection and validating them which then builds this, in their brain this map of feeling secure in the relationship that that we that they're secure with us um, and that you know goes through childhood and adolescence and adulthood and then even into romantic relationships we have the same thing meaning can i depend on my partner do i feel that my partner sees me do i feel that my partner now um, i can soothe with them and i can turn to them and talk to them and they they'll they'll meet me where i'm at and validate me Right, that would be considered a secure attachment. And why that's so important is because typically, if someone's coming out with that, typically, I would say, um, most of, mm, I would say majority of those people are not in my office. Right, yeah. Because they've, because they've learned that emotions are okay and that you know that right. people are dependable right. and that people are trustworthy not perfect but we can repair when there is a rift in the relationship and we know how to manage conflict and emotions and relate and, and, and relationships and so uh i know i'll get through this i'm not really dealing with a lot of a lot of shame that i can't overcome i could probably overcome my own sense of like inadequacy and sh- or shame thoughts because i've been taught and had these relationships to help guide me and mentor me typically what i see in my office is not that it's usually and I'm going to generalize here for men, a lot of guys, is that um, they were told not to feel certain things or maybe the parents weren't responding to them in a timely way or maybe their parents were a threat to their nervous system, so yelling at them, feeling certain things. And so the kid, when they're already in a state of distress, uh, there's now the parents are now a threat to their nervous system and they now yell at them or maybe even spank them or do something else. And so now it's like it's this kind of chaotic relationship that now what's supposed to bring safety brings harm or maybe again maybe they're not responding in a timely manner enough that people won't respond to me and so I learned that well people are going to come anyway so I just got to numb out and check out and not feel or my parents are unpredictable that sometimes they come to me half the time other half the time maybe they're like anxious and upset with me right so it's kind of a you know, it's kind of this constant, that's more anxious. So I feel kind of this, like, I, I, I'm unsure, like, do I talk to them? Do I not talk to them? I'm kind of anxious and gosh, my feelings, I feel like it stresses my parents out to have certain feelings. So I learned, well, I got to maybe care for them now because my mom or my dad is more upset and I had a need, but I got it. So then they start taking care of their parents. So those are more the insecure types, right? One is more an avoidant, a numbing. One is more of that kind of anxious, I'm not sure. And the other one is if the parent is a threat themselves, like this is the parent that kind of hurts them um, and then also loves them. That creates that kind of chaotic kind of attachment, kind of push pull, like what Mm. you're supposed to be someone who's safe to me, but you're the one actually hurting me physically or maybe mentally, psychologically. You tell me all these just constant nasty things, but then or criticism or something like that. Like, I guess, yeah, like, like, right. Yeah. Criticisms like you're such an idiot. What the hell's wrong with you? Like, right. You're such a wuss. Like, why are you so stupid? um, Like, why are you so stupid? Why are you so weak? Like, get over yourself. Mm. And like, so this is threat. And so the kid just like, you know, shock. And so some kids fight back, they get aggressive. Some kids get kind of numb out and check out. Some kids just like, they just, I'll, call, make, I'll be the peacekeeper, make sure everyone's happy. And mm, okay, I just yeah. got to manage parents' mood. And then depending on too, if there was alcohol or drugs in the home when they were young, was there divorces and remarriages? What was that like? How did that impact them? 
uh, trauma, like actual like physical abuse, sexual abuse, like, you know, mental abuse, neglect, um, you know, poverty, you know, other, other things too going on in life or moving or maybe their first generation, maybe there's some trauma from their parents had trauma from like their country of origin, they're coming here. So all these things have an impact on that kid, on that guy at a young age. And so that's why it's important because that's the beginning of their story. And that's kind of their initial model that they're like a sponge soaking in for better, for worse. And then they're trying to figure out their world and they then they go to school and have friends. And what are their friendships like? What are the relationships with teachers like? Are there good relationships? Are there good relationships with teachers? Or is there more harm done in the school environment by teachers that are doing similar stuff? Or, you know, so all these things matter. And as they get older adolescents, then they have romantic relationships and how do those go or not go? Um, you know, and then how do they cope? Because often these guys too, they're coping with some type of distraction, getting, getting pornography, dabbling with drugs and alcohol early on, or they're busying themselves and, or they find that, hey, I'm a good student. And here's something too, I'm gonna say this, that some guys actually become amazing students because that is safer for them. So they, they become like 4.0, 4.5 students and they excel because that is, they can control that and they're reading and they go into these different worlds because that's safer than actual reality. And so they become really successful people in life and develop yeah. a lot of amazing things because that was more safe for them. But maybe relationally they might struggle now as adults because I don't really know what to do in intimate relationships. So I might have multiple marriages or in and out of things, you know, so you, you see it starts to spread. So it's so important because that is the foundation. And then from there I start to build. And then what I do is I come to the present and I say, okay, what do you do now with stress? You know, I got to assess like, what do you do now? Like, you know, how are you sleeping? What are you eating? You have any type of movement in your life? Uh, you know, when you come home, what do you do typically on a day when you're, you know, want to de-stress? And typically I'm hearing things like, you know, TV, all this other stuff. So I start just to do basic stuff. Like I look at their nighttime and morning routine. I need to examine that. What is your night and morning routine? Um, what do you do? And start to build in, I would say, more effective, holistic, healthy um, beginnings. So, for example, in the morning, it's like don't get on your phone right away. You know, do some gratitude. Take a few deep breaths. You know, go make your coffee, take a half hour before you do anything else. Because often these guys are already on their phone. The first thing they wake up, they're on their phone scrolling yeah. and they're looking at stressful work emails or their stressful texts right. and they're already stressed out before they even put their Get feet on the floor. And so yeah. their nervous system's already kind of an activated, oh shit, you know, I'm already stressed out and then I'm I'm stressed all morning and you know, I'm like stress showering and I'm stressed eating my breakfast and stressed helping my kids. Stress and, showering. Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> <laughs> and then you, and then your kids wake up, right? And then kids wake up and you're already stressed right. out. And then your kids, yeah. you know, their kids they don't know what they're doing so then you might be more stressed because they're maybe they had a hard day but you're already you're already activated right you're not calm and so that stresses you out more and maybe you're already yelling at your kids and then everyone's yelling at each other going out the door and then you go to work and then it's stressful then you come home and then it so i have to look at we got to change Do you have a video camera in my house because that's yeah. Not, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no i, yeah. I mean I, I, I've, I've been guilty of all that um and and i totally understand how you can set yourself up for failure from the second that you wake up and right. how that has a trickle-down effect to your children, which ultimately affects future men and future fathers. I mean, women and mothers as well, but this, this discussion is specifically about men and fathers. So, you know, I've got a little boy 
who if I get up and I've been checking my email and my social media and I'm trying to respond to things and then he gets up and now I haven't had a chance to properly respond to these emails. Mm -hmm. Now I'm stressed. I'm like, oh, I didn't, I didn't answer Will, <laughs> right? About yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> some text message. I don't know. I'm just saying that as an example. And then, uh, and then my little boy wakes up earlier than he, I had anticipated him waking up. Now, now I see him and his presence mm -h. as a threat, even. Yep. Um, so it's uh, and that you already it, and that might aggravate you or frustrate exactly. you that he's awake. Yeah. Like, why are you yeah. awake so up early? Oh why my are you awake? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's your day. And then if you don't, and then what happens is that your day is already you're already not obviously lost, but it's much harder to recover from that typically. Because then typically you just go into whatever you do to, to kind of navigate that stress. Yeah. Um, and often these guys, not all, sometimes they have some good things they're doing, but more often than not is distraction. So I have to do the morning routine and then what's their nighttime routine? Kind of starting there. You know, at nighttime having, kind of creating a different pattern. I, I'm a big fan of journaling and writing um, thoughts and beginning to examine what's going on. I do implement basic breath work like kind of Trojan horsing in some breath work of you know, I may not even call it mindfulness in the beginning, yeah. depending on the guy, you know, part is beginning a sense of where they're at, you know, what's sure, the language right. that might work for them. Cause certain language, you know, in therapy world is, is more feminized. And I'm not saying that negatively. Right. Um, I'm just saying it just matter of factly in that the feminism, feminine, feminine qualities are not bad. In fact, we all got feminine characteristics, but I think for typically these men, it's like, uh, uh that's not what do you I mean so i have to change sometimes even the language i approach it so it's more uh you know digestible for them and then i begin to kind of get their when get their buy-in and start to implement more things um i do talk a lot about their nervous system i think that's a huge thing i find helpful for men because they get that oh i get that i know what fight or flight yeah. is i know what freeze is. so i start to kind of teach them about the polyvagal nerve and the vagus nerve and what happened polyvagal theory and the vagus nerve and they're like oh i get it. so it's like already they already understand it so that helps them and i kind of take them to a deeper yeah. level and say okay just pay attention you know pay attention if you notice tension and notice if you're you know when your kids walk in the room or coming home just 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 do a quick scan like do you feel tension anywhere or tightness or heaviness or anything before you go in the house like yeah i feel like shoulders and neck okay well just just do these kind of what will did a couple deep breaths and just kind of notice that fall away then then step in so i'm doing a little basic just little tools do some journaling too i like kind of doing the high and the low especially for these guys at night you know what's a high and a low moment meaning you know something that got frustrated annoyed what happened and what emotion did it evoke just to kind of build that like do a rep so to speak of lifting that muscle and then what's a high point something that was positive or something you felt you you know took a good stride in or step in or learn something new and you know what emotion or emotions did that pull up so trying to see how events are tied to emotional states and bodily states mm. um so I do that yeah. too. And then as I do more work, I add in more, maybe longer breath work more. And then I maybe talk about mindfulness and, um, yeah. and then often I do other work too, maybe with EMDR, depending on some of these shame messages, I identify that, you wow. know, that not enough and where did that come from? And so I'll use EMDR and some other techniques to kind of help heal some of that and talk about it. So, um, but again, initially it's morning, nighttime routine kind of getting a sense of what they're doing well, building on that and saying, hey, let's try these things, giving them basic understanding of their nervous system, why that matters, um, and also kind of basic other skills that are helping them kind of, so to speak, be in the, the ocean of emotion, so to speak, so they learn and, and get some level of comfortability in small doses. 
um, and then taking a break, like giving them like, you know, just do 30 seconds and come back out. Like just getting used to what it feels like and getting them a sense of uh, agency and that they're feeling like they're building a muscle and then start to kind of add more. So those are just some quick things I do. Um, and then right. I, I'll tailor it as well, depending sure. on the person. Well, how does that, what does that look like? Um, I mean, we told it what it looks like, but uh, you know, the average man that you might work with, like how long would it take them to start to adapt even just one thing? You know, if we're, if you have a guy that's like 40, 50 years old and he's been running the same program, doing the same things, like, you know, being that provider, protector, conqueror role all the time, showing no weakness, no vulnerability, being a lone wolf, like, and finally something, this man wakes up for some reason uh, mm -hmm. and they step into your office. Like, uh, how long in, you know, from your experience, like, does it take them to take that first step of like not turning their phone on in the morning or something like that like do you have a gauge on that like average if you can oh god you know that's a i feel like a lot of those questions are tough because there's such a very so to that, that. like yeah. with every person and and it depends on their their willingness to to trust what i'm saying and like do i have their buy-in yet true. that's a big deal right that trust that imagine has to be because you know you said something earlier i thought was very telling and i'm doing some work with men i have a workshop coming up and here in new york city on september 24th just for men and like one of my biggest conundrums and, and things that i'm struggling with is how do i speak to these men in a way that doesn't threaten you know this programming of the man box or whatever we want to call it this toxic masculinity or you know whatever language you want to use to talk about this confined masculinity that we're describing it's like it's so you know we're supposed to be so tough but we're so incredibly sensitive <laughs> yeah. you know so yeah. anyway thank you travis for dropping in here describing this or talking yeah. about this average man if you will yeah yeah, and it, and it's not yeah it's not uh, it's not always easy. I think one thing with that you said toxic as masculinity is that first and foremost masculine itself is not toxic and, and no, I've I've, I've learned to change my language around that too. I think it's a term. It's a marketing term. It catches people's attention. I get it. Here, here. You know, it's all over social media, and like other terms too. People misuse it, but I think there's some truth in what they're saying. But I think it also is misrepresentative and it, it leads you astray from what we really need to get at. I think more so it's like that one dimensional view of masculinity mm, or what yes. it means to be a man. That's, that's what's like toxic very, about this. I think Phil, that's the way that I like to talk about right toxic. Yeah. yeah. Talk about toxic masculinity. It's like when you only are able to experience life in like three or four ways and all the emotions that come with those. And that's the only emotion you have. That's toxic to the soul. It's toxic to the community. It's right. toxic to everyone around you. But yeah, it's toxic to everybody. And often, these Everybody. guys are you're in survival modes. I think that's the part part of that is that these guys don't even often don't know it. No. Um, initially. Now some might when they're coming to my office, they have an awareness, something clicked in, like, ooh, I need I need help. Like something just is I need to come in and I'm finally here. But all the other guys typically are stuck and um, and so that's the hard part is how do you get them in and, and the time frame really changes I, I've seen some guys come in and they just hit the ground running I mean week one I, I like to give guys assignments and they, they, they thrive on that you go do this and come back and report how it's going hmm. um, and some guys yeah. don't I mean again that's why I have to tailor it to the individual right. but um, I've seen guys come in and they start it and they start to notice it um, or sometimes they're doing it and they're like you know Travis I, I feel like nothing's different I'm like okay that's what you're noticing great so it's actually working right yeah. so you're just aware that this is a hard thing it's hard to do these <laughs> things and so it's actually that's it that tells me it's working now it's a we got to redefine what mm. what movement looks like in this world that it's going to feel like there's not a lot of movement and maybe that what you're used to it's not going to be like oh you're 
you know, you're going to go into that gym and lift like four plates on each side and do, you know, a deadlift. It's like, <laughs> good luck, right? I mean, you have to start with the bar here. So we're doing bar exercises. I know it. And we have to redefine that that is, that's, that's doing work right now. And, and, right. and having some humility and ego of like, Hey, this is just, this is just, and right now this is, this is hard, right? Right now, this is hard. That bar is the hard. That's the heaviest thing you've ever lifted right now, as far as in this world yeah, of emotions sure. and and so we have to we have to start with where we are, and 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 acknowledge the work we're doing and looking at the strides we're taking, the small steps now, and we have to start to re- almost change our perspective and look at it as that's a victory. And I think a lot of men, we get stuck in that, like, well, it's not, an, it's the not enough thing. So I even help them identify their shame message too. And like, Hey, where's that voice coming from? And, right. um, you know, and I would say, Hey, if you were talking to a buddy that you really cared for and loved a lot, what would you tell him? And often they would say, I would never say that to that guy. Right? I would never tell him he's an idiot or stupid or worthless. I would never say that. Um, and I'm like, well, you're that guy, you know? And like, that's that, the friend technique. And they're like, yeah, but, but it's me. I'm like, Okay, let's we'll we'll work with that. We'll we'll keep working. You have the yeah, but, um, <laughs> yeah. But and so it's it's little by little, and, and some guys do take longer. Again, it's it's. I had one guy. I'm thinking of a You know, thinking of a. It's a combination of some, but you know, it took a good six months of really doing a lot of work. Um, EMDR had little movement, but constant panic attacks daily. You know, issues with losing weight, a bunch of other stuff, and food issues, and. It took a good six months. And in this case, we did need to also implement some medication because it was that bad. And so we needed some other kind of, uh, you know, um, boost of, you know, neurochemicals and things like that to help shift um, on top of the work. But this was a guy who was desperate and he did the work every day, but it wasn't like within week one, he's like, my life has changed. No, we did weekly, hard, like intense you know, I guess it it's like doing buds, but for the mind, right? <laughs> buds training, but for the mind. And and we were doing it, like really, really doing it. And now, I mean, gosh, like we worked really hard for six months. And then at six months, it's like really things start. We It was a huge, like also an increase. And then we started just kind of riding that wave, so to speak. Nice. And things really started to shift. And, and uh, we, you know, we started doing more deeper work. And now, but then he felt a difference. But it was like a good six months before there was really any felt difference but he wow. but he kept doing it and that was the key like he kept practicing even though he's like i don't really feel like it's doing much I'm like just i get it trust me and he had that trust and we just kept going and now it's like you know i don't even see him anymore which is great um he graduated and that's a you know one of those amazing things you get to see someone their whole life is different and better and changed and they're they're doing their thing and they're they're flying so to speak on their yes. own um which is such an amazing thing to do and to be part of as a, as a as a therapist is to see that happen and be like yeah I, and now he's like yeah you're right it was hard but i'm glad i stuck to it like now i might go share your story with other guys other friends that you know because your story is now going to impact them better than i can impact them because yeah. they're going to see the difference in your life and that's the beauty of this is that they get to now impact their families their friends their work a whole yeah. area of influence that i would never be able to touch Right, which is the right. coolest part of this process. Well, like, was this guy a father? What yeah, you're talking about? Yeah. yeah. So what was that experience like with his kids then? Like, how is that? How has his relationship changed? If you have any specifics about that? Yeah. I mean, generally speaking, uh, he would definitely would have reported that it's actually significantly better. I think a big, a big drive for him was his relationship with his kid is a big reason why he came in. I think that kept him 
going when it was really dark for a while. Um, it was like that was the light, so to speak, that he clung to of like this is why I'm doing it is for my my kid. Um, and even and it definitely the relationship changed too. Obviously, as he got healthier, the relationship blossomed more because he realized, you know, in a way unintentionally, just from his own stress and stuff, was just missing the the mark quite a bit with his kid and more easily frustrated and annoyed and just the relationship just at times would have more distress between it um and now you know obviously as we got better he night and day difference more time and enjoyable time and with the spouse too so he was noticing it with the whole family um and now very different more more peace more calm more connection more relationship and then it's it's funny his focus shifted too. his focus was more on his work initially of the provider i got to do more sure. and make more and and it shifted and not even tell him to do this it just kind of naturally one day he just said something shifted in me that wow. yeah that's important but he's like actually what i'm realizing more and more that i've been trying to chase this thing is trying to fix everything else i'm realizing that actually got me worse off and what's most important is my relationship with my kid and my and my spouse and and that that like it was a huge shift on his own that just the work we were doing it just it clicked and then he's like yeah i know i need to make money because we we got bills like so obviously there's that but it he was trying to prove his worth in his job and that sure. a lot of what was driving too was childish stuff with parents and dad his his dad and trying to be enough and so he was trying to find it in you know how much money he made how much was in the bank having a certain house and a car and that became this kind of really just bottomless whole pit of trying to prove his his worth um and so as we did that deeper work it like began to shift from yeah i know i need money but really it's my kid and my and my my spouse at the end of the day and then that he, he would i remember when he came in it was like a i felt i felt the energy difference when he sat on the couch i was like oh there's something different and he's wow. like yeah it was it was and he felt that he's like there's something i've been chasing and he's like i feel so much just at peace even though there's a lot of unknowns in life i'm like it's okay because i'm i'm investing here and having boundaries around work he's like it's the first time i've done this is like i left work at six and i did not <laughs> I was not looking at emails till 12 o'clock at night. He's like, I just told them no. And I'm like, yeah. good for you, man. And so he's like, cause guess what was there the next day? The same emails. He's like, I just was stressed <laughs> about it. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Right. So it was really cool. Like he's one of, yeah, gosh, he was one of my favorite cases to work with just for seeing just such a, just a massive shift in his entire family life. So I'm excited. I haven't heard from him in a while, but maybe one day he'll reach Hopefully out and say that's hi a good again. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that shift that you just mentioned that's tied very closely to an episode that we recently did with Michael E. Long, one of the co-authors of The Molecule of More, all about dopamine and how dopamine can be good and that it drives us to continually progress, but we can get addicted to it and we never reach that point of enough uh, because we're constantly looking for more and more and more, no matter whether you have you know the nice truck, the nice home. If you have that nice truck, now you're gonna be looking for a Lamborghini. If you have a nice home, you're gonna be looking for a castle. If you have a castle, you're gonna be looking for a castle on the moon. And <laughs> it's just continually getting more and more. And with that, we never reach that, that, that enough state, right? And mm-hmm. the, the other side of that is uh, the male ego that's tied to being that provider Quite often we convince ourselves that we're doing it to be the provider, but yeah. 
when we really peel the onion back a little bit, why are we really doing it? It's for validation, like you mentioned. It's oh, for validation yeah. of, of who we are. And I've, I've been guilty yeah. of that myself, and I discussed that on your show, is, is that it is uh, sometimes driven by going back all the way to the beginning of the conversation, driven by who we were as children and who other mm-hmm. people were in our lives as uh, when we were children. Um, so. Yeah. Definitely lots to unpack there. Um, now, that said, sticking with kind of the depression theme, uh, I want to talk about if... Um, <laughs> I know, is that great? No, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's, it's important. That's what we're here to no, talk about. No, I know. No, I know. I'm sorry. So, um, the, sticking with that depression theme, um, for friends and family um, of these men, of these fathers, what are some of the signs and symptoms that may be displayed or what should they be looking for for someone who might be silently struggling? I know I think we've touched on a little bit of that, but if we could specifically yeah. focus on that. Yeah, great question. Yeah. Um, so for some signs and symptoms that you want to look out for, and as a quick caveat, dads to um, also do suffer from postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety. Um, uh, the current stat is one in ten, so ten percent. Wow! Uh, and I'm sure that's even not even accurate because that's it's not reported. It's not reported. <laughs> and men, men probably aren't talking about it either. So yeah. it's no, they're not. Yeah. So <laughs> so it's a thing, and and that comes, you know, and what can cause that is you know sleep deprivation and you know all just the stress of everything else. Also, men do experience hormone changes, by the way, which is most think like what hormone changes? Like yep, yeah. absolutely. Angiopause, so, right? I think it's called angiopause. Yeah. Is that right? Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, it, it happens, and but again, most because of lack of education. Um, and so just, just to say that, that is a, that's a real thing that men do face just like, just like women. And it's more prevalent than we think, even for women, it's actually much higher. It's much more common than not common. Um, and it's not that no one did anything wrong or bad. It's just that it's like the shift, unfortunately with the shift of change and then not sleeping and how that could just is by the way, like torture and it can put you in a depressed state. Um, and so, but some of the other signs, I would say some classic signs for sure are especially on men is you know higher more irritability and higher frustration um and anger especially if it's if if you notice a shift um maybe how he used to be and now um you just notice he's more irritable more easily frustrated just yelling a lot more just no you're seeing a shift um that's one sign. Now you want multiple signs. Just because he has it, by the way, may not mean he's depressed. It might just mean he's sure. stressed out, right? But that's sure. a sign. Some other signs are maybe he's eating less or more. Um, maybe he's drinking more uh, than typical, or maybe picked up drinking. Uh, maybe wasn't drinking before, um, or maybe was drinking like once a month. He's now drinking like every other day or daily. Um, other ones would be. Um, noticing maybe he's pulling away and again some of this is just becoming apparent but maybe outside of that he's maybe isolating more from relationships maybe he's uh maybe not engaging in certain things he used to do like in for enjoyment like maybe he used to play music or guitar but he hasn't touched the thing in months but he used to play all the time or maybe he used to also have some other hobbies i don't know like taking photos or camera or he collected rocks or something. I don't know, whatever he did or tinkered in the garage on his car. And maybe he doesn't do that anymore. Just isn't really doing anything. Um, 
he might you might notice too he might be more um maybe just kind of sluggish and slow too that's the other way it could look for some guys they maybe not more irritable but maybe they're more kind of just just slower and yeah. just not really they're more checking out kind of more absent-minded um they might when you talk to them they might almost not seem like they're paying attention and kind of zoning out they might ask hey what did you just say having you repeat more stuff more often than not um and then some of the other ones too that you might not know that's happening internally for them is they might be feeling more feelings of guilt and worthlessness they again they may not be communicating probably won't be communicating that to you uh, but they're feeling more guilt and worthless they might be feeling like they have lower energy and they're more tired um they feel like even though they might be sleeping but they're just like they're just drained um they might be struggling with completing work tasks and home tasks more like just not completing as much and really slowing down um and on you know other times they might struggle with suicidal ideation and thoughts too on the more extreme you know if they're really really depressed and down like that just starts to kind of fill their mind more and that becomes more serious um so those are some of the things that the signs and symptoms to be looking out for some of the classic ones um, and for some too like um, erectile dysfunction too and low libido low sex drive um, I do but also becoming a new parent that's also sometimes just, that's just part of the change as well by the way you're not having sex as much especially the first six months to a year if not more right. depending on very so there's all these things so you can't just look at one and say oh they're depressed you gotta examine the whole, all these things and kind of assess and, and then I would say be curious and and approach approach them not out of blaming or shaming but just kind of noticing and just asking and asking and you might have to ask them a lot because you might need to retrain their brain that you're a safe person yeah you know they may not trust it yet to be even asked or to be honest because they've been asked before and they're used to kind of just not saying what they think and so you might have to just listen with curiosity ask repeatedly um you know don't say why are you so lazy or what's wrong with you you're not completing a task right like you know it's more of hey i'm just noticing like you're just more tired lately everything okay you know because again we might approach it with you know you're not doing as much you know and yeah. so then or why are you so lazy or why are you so irritable like even though that's true it's like if we go there it's just you're you become a threat to their nervous system and so we want to actually come in and, and be curious hey no it's even more you know, I noticed that maybe you've been yelling more with the kids. Are you okay? Everything going on? You know? Yeah. You know, I know I yell to some of the kids too. We all have those moments, you know, but I, I just yeah. noticed it's a little more. Everything all right? Like, how's work? Yeah. You know, how's, you know? And so, and they might still say, oh, I'm fine. And that's okay. So, yeah. Keep asking. It's right? Man, it's almost like. Response. Yeah, it's no, I'm good. I'm good. Again, yeah. I don't, because again, that comes yeah, to I'm that. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine, right? Feelings yeah. inside not expressed, right? So. Oh, wow. I've I'm never fine. heard that. Oh, yeah. oh wow feelings inside not expressed so fine is <laughs> I love that's my favorite response people come sit in my office how you doing today I'm fine I'm like okay let's, yeah. let's talk yeah. you know um, and so yeah break that again, you know, said, say it again a little slower fine oh, I just want to, everyone feeling, to hear this might be on our oh, shirt but go ahead yeah <laughs> yeah feelings inside not, not ex expressed I love it I'm yeah. fine and, and yeah. again that's because that's part of the defense too is to not show that they're weak or a burden so they're yeah. gonna say they're fine if especially if that's where they are if they're that's that's their thing um so i'm gonna be fine i don't want to burden you i can't trust that so i'm gonna say i'm fine because that's also keeps me in survival mode is i gotta tell myself i'm fine you know right. i gotta keep i gotta keep moving i gotta keep going and so you might get fine for a while but i think the more you listen with curious genuine curiosity trying to understand 
noticing, pointing stuff out, behavioral changes without like a threat. Like, yeah, I just noticed yeah. you have you know, I just noticed you haven't played your guitar in a while. Like, you know, what's you, what's going on there? Like, you know, whatever you notice about them, you start to point out the behavioral changes in, in a way that's kind of asking to help them under, you understand. Help me understand. You know, I'm noticing this. Mm. You know, how are you, how are you doing? So Because then they, it starts to help them see it too because they may also not see it. Sometimes right. they don't notice the change. Yeah. but you might so those are uh, those are some signs and symptoms but we had uh we had ed app we had reinventing masculinity on the authors of that show and ed, Ab- ed, ed, ed adams has uh this group called m3 right and they have one, just one rule of m3 and it's like no man shames another man that's it one rule and they and, and just through that i mean so it reminds you what you're talking about right so if you're going to yeah. approach somebody with be like dude why are you being so fucking lazy it's like you know what do you expect my reaction to be right or why right. you know you know versus like hey like like you said approaching them like in a kind compassionate way and just trying yeah. to you know get on the inside a little bit or and see them you know as a loving human being that needs help instead of like looking at them as a problem and shaming them yeah. you know with yeah why are you so lazy because that's that's criticism right why are you so lazy you never right, help right. you're always this you're always angry yeah. well yeah. there might be truth to that that's just yes. that's that's not mean where they are and i'd reverse it like what if someone came to you that way like you said what if they yeah. Is that actually a question or is that like they'd have shot you like with an arrow? Like, right. You know, right. like the Gottmans talk about this, right? That's, that, they, they would call it a harsh startup. The Gottmans, you know, 50 years of research on like couples therapy, that's a harsh startup. That's criticism. That's going to put you into the four horsemen of the apocalypse, right? Which I'm going to defend myself. I'm going to numb out. And and so you want to do a soft startup. You, hey, what's going on? Help me understand. I've noticed this. You've been, you know, tell me about this. It's, the other analogy I give is when you're doing this with a guy, and you know, imagine playing. You know, you're throwing a ball back and forth with him. You know, you could you could ping a fastball at his face, and he he might catch it. You know, if he's skillful. But he also might just get smacked in the face with the with the with the ball, and that's just not going to feel too great. And you're going to just like get him pissed off. Which you know, I'd be pissed off too if I get pinged in the face <laughs> with the fastball, right? <laughs> so I'm going to go in defense mode, and it's you know I'm going to go into fight flight and probably just like yell back or throw the ball back. That's I mean, part of the anyway. So, so you know, and then we get mad at him for getting mad that we pinged a fastball at his face. Or if I threw the ball like completely opposite direction of him and then got mad for not catching the ball, right? <laughs> so Great it's analogy, like okay. Man. We want to we want to toss our partner a, and I and I teach this to men too actually all the time when they're talking to their spouses like you want to toss your partner a ball that they can catch or at least have the opportunity or capacity to catch. Yeah. So when you're playing throwing ball back and forth, you you you're just tossing the ball back. You're not pinging fastballs unless they know you're doing that. But you're 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 throwing the ball back and forth. It's nice. It's slow. You know, and and then if you and then here's the thing too, when you do do that, and, you, and you th- if you throw the ball and it misses them, you say, "Oh, I'm sorry, I I missed you," right? Because you take responsibility for the bad pass, not blaming them for not catching it, right? So it's that yeah. that's the imagery of like, imagine you're just playing catch and just like slowly, just okay, we're going back and forth, and that's okay, and you have to yeah. do that for days, you know, but eventually, oh, I could I, I might talk about this. 
So it goes back to the uh, the crucial conversations episode that we had about how to have those conversations, right? And right. like it starts with setting the tone and making it safe physically and psychologically for all participants in the conversation. And then what's the goal of the conversation? Is the goal of the conversation to win the conversation mm. or is the goal of the conversation to have a positive outcome for all the parties? Typically it's the latter, but more often than not, we fall into trying to win the conversation. So yeah. it's, uh, it's unfortunate. Well, let's see. Um, let's see. We've talked about the symptoms. If family members are seeing those symptoms, how to even approach that? What about if there's listeners that are seeing those symptoms in themselves? What would you recommend for them as the first step in addressing uh, those feelings and seeking support? Um, I mean, at the first step, I would just approach yourself with just compassion. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Love it. not that you're broken or flawed or you know, not enough, all those shame messages that might be flooding you or a failure or, you know, all those things that come in. Cause typically when we're there, we tend to get this hypercriticism and kind of internal bully, internal critic that just beats us up. And so at first I would start to change that and approach it with, you know, genuine curiosity of like, wow, okay, this is of you and okay, take it as a sign, not as a bad thing, but as a, as a, as an opportunity to say, okay, wow, I'm having some language now that's clicking with me and starting to make sense to what I've been experiencing. And the reality is there's help for this. Now, it may require a therapist. It may not. Um, it might, you know, it, depending on where you are. Um, it might mean you have someone you can talk to. And, and But I know that some of you may not have that. And so sometimes a therapist for some people is the first person they can actually talk to that is that listens to them with genuine empathy and validates them. Um, because a lot of people I've talked with, their family, you know, you think turn to your family, like, no, sometimes family is the threat. Sometimes mm -hmm. that's where the abuse is. And so I'm not, no you know, I'm not going to turn to them. And so in some cases, like they, they don't really have anyone that they know they can turn to because that's where all their trauma and, and pain came from. And so sometimes that therapist or like a coach or something, maybe you have a teacher. Some people have like a boss that they feel safe with. It just, it just depends on the person, but you got to start with curiosity, genuine empathy and compassion for yourself. Know that there's help. Know that this is something that's fixable and healable. Know that, um, there's different paths to get help in this, um, whether it's with a clinician, you know, obviously if you're more extreme and you're having maybe suicidal thoughts and things like that, then I would recommend maybe reaching out to a clinician just because there's, they, they're going to have some more training on better assessment and, and helping you, uh, give some, some skills and tools, um, to really help that, um, and, and really look at you more effectively just from our skill set as expertise, as experts in that, of, of knowing what to look for. Um, but if you're not that extreme, if you're just noticing some of these things, you know, do that, maybe start journaling, maybe rec recording how you're doing and what you're feeling and thinking in your head and start writing some stuff down like you know, how am I doing maybe start changing some of the stuff we talked about today and like what's your routine and how do you talk to yourself you know are you shaming yourself like Will said like that's a great group rule but that's a great rule and tuna rule for yourself it's like are you, oh, are you talking to yourself Excellent. you know like what do you tell yourself you know are you are you have you taken on all that that those messages negative criticisms and like that's just the voice in your head now that you tell you talk to yourself that way and that's one of the first things i would say is start to, to catch and change even if you don't believe it yet 
but start to change that internal dialogue because that's so that's toxic that that dialogue is that that's the poison that's going to eat you up inside amen um so those are some things i would say right on thank you let's see well i i, I want to respect your time man uh I, I you've given us so much great stuff here and i yes. love i love what it is you're doing um for our listeners how what's the best way for them to find you and find your podcast find what it is that you're doing yeah um so a couple of places one uh instagram i'm gonna have a presence on there um a therapy for dads and that's with the number four um that's on instagram that's also the name of the podcast therapy for dads which is on spotify apple um google and then on i'm also on youtube as well which i, I put up both podcast episodes and other just mental health content and that's just my name just youtube.com forward slash travis goodman good man is how it's spelled good man and that's where you could find me up there which is again mix of podcast episodes clips and then just other mental health kind of holistic content of teaching education and skills that i that i go through um so that's the easiest way to get a hold of me and find me and message me and ask questions i'm more happy to you know, point in the right direction or respond. I'm, I'm some, I think I'm a friendly guy. I, I've <laughs> got to point out the, I've got to point out the, I was going to say irony, but it's not irony. It's the, <laughs> the, 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 the fact that your last name is good man. Oh, it's branding. It's, I, it's, it's I so tell, perfect. It's branding. Change your brand last name for the branding. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking no, the same no, thing. No, no, no. And I tried registering that domain name, but you know, I have to yeah. pay like whatever, $100,000 from, Oh, go daddy or something yeah you know yeah. so <laughs> I, I couldn't i tried to do good man therapy and it just didn't it was already taken because you know and some you know domains oh, I gotta love yeah domains, man right? you know That's a scam <laughs> don't don't you wish you'd bought a whole bunch of domains back in uh, I, I have actually <laughs> <laughs> have you Sitting sold a bunch i'm waiting no but maybe someday That's yeah hilarious. you never know it takes one time so i'm gonna make it I'm like squatting. i'm gonna pay you this squatting. yeah good for you too bad you're not so squatting that's the on best way to get a hold of me and and John will be on it here. I'll be releasing the episode soon. And yeah, he, well, exactly. I need to have Will on to, I think, to complete the. There you go. There you go. You know, complete the I'd circle. Love to. I need to there. complete the circle awesome. of life. Well, awesome, brother. Been fantastic having you. Uh, for for those who tuned in, thank you for tuning in live. For those who tune in later in the podcast, thank you for for listening. We appreciate you as our audience. We sincerely appreciate you. And if you've gotten something out of this episode, which I know you did, please share it with your friends, your family, your colleagues, whoever you feel could benefit. Please give us that review and subscribe. Now I'll turn it over to Travis to wrap it up with a final grounding practice, and then we will say goodbye. Okay. So uh, walk with me on this one. This is, uh, you know, I guess for some of the men, it might be a little like, why am I doing that? But just just bear with me and trust me. I ask for your trust on this one. But first, uh, like Will had us do, just kind of just notice the chair you're sitting in or you're, if you're in your car um, or if you're on your bed, listening and laying down on the couch. Just kind of notice, take a breath and just notice the contact you're having with the surface you're sitting on. And as you breathe in, just kind of notate the sensation. And as you breathe out, just acknowledge and just observe what it is you're sensing. And just notice how that holds your weight, holds your body. Notice if you have any tension in kind of your back or 
thighs or glutes, shoulders. And if you have any tension anywhere at all, just acknowledge it. And as you breathe in, just kind of focus the attention on that space of your body, maybe even tensing it a little bit more. And as you breathe out, release that area, that muscle, that tension, allowing it to kind of sink into the chair or the surface you're sitting in, kind of like it's kind of getting washed away. And now we're going to practice a little self-compassion. So I want to take your right hand, place it on your chest and heart, and take your left hand and kind of place it on your cheek and under your jaw and cheek and kind of almost like you're holding your head and almost maybe even lean your head a bit on that hand as you're holding your head up. As you're holding your chest, just notice what that feels like to be held. And kind of breathe into it and just relax into the hold of your hand as it holds its face and its chest. And this is a bodily act of safety and compassion that you can give to yourself every day, no matter where you are. And begin to hold yourself, not harm. And take one final breath, breathe in deeply, and slowly exhale, dropping your shoulders. And you can release the, your face and your chest and relax your arms and open your eyes when you're ready. Thank Beautiful you, Travis. Brother. That was really awesome. appreciate that. Yeah. yeah great conversation today. I knew, yeah, I knew Will would appreciate the, the compassion piece. Will's been yeah. in this really intensive self-compassion course mm. and yeah, uh, everything. Yeah. 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 It's fantastic, man. So thank you for, for wrapping yeah. it up with that. And uh, Will, I'll turn it over to you for any yeah. final words, brother. Well, well, just like, you know, what I'm learning in this compassion course, when you do bring your hand across your chest, you actually get a little serotonin, uh, oxytocin mm-hmm. actually drip a little bit. So you feel that like, so that's really yeah. a great technique, you know, just touch, just a little bit of self-touch and a little bit of self-kindness, mm-hmm. a little bit of breath to remind you that you're valuable, that you're enough and, and you know, you deserve to be in this world. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I just, I teased uh, a little earlier. I have this workshop coming up here in the city on September 24th uh, in New York City. It's in person. It's called The Betterman Project. Uh, if you want to learn more about that, uh, you can just head over to my Instagram and my handles uh, at willnotfear, W-I-L-L-N-O-T-F-E-A-R. And I'm going to be, you know, I'm excited, Travis, to do this. I have, uh, been, this is part of uh, the compassion work I'm doing with Stanford University and hmm. I'm going to be doing a men's only workshop. So it's only men for this. And uh, I'm excited and, and nervous as fuck, honestly, to put this out there in the world. <laughs> You're going to crush uh, it. Being vulnerable. Uh, yeah, I'm going to, yeah, I, I, yeah, I know that's what everyone keeps telling me, but it's like, oh my God. Um, but I just want to put that out there. And Travis, thank you, thank you, thank you for all the work and all the lives that you're helping and the message that you're putting out there in the world. And um, and th- thank you. And, and thank everyone listening out there and helping other men, like, you know, get, open this, keep this conversation going with the men in your lives and the people. And, and just instead of shaming somebody and saying, what the fuck is wrong with you? Right. What if you just ask and be like, hey, like, you need us you know i'm here to listen or i'm here to help um, mm. so thank you guys thank you this thank has been you. a great episode Until i really, next really time. appreciate your time take care everyone peace thanks guys peace peace bye thank you for joining us today we hope you walk away with some new tools and insights to guide you on your life journey new episodes are being published every week so please join us again for some meaningful discussion for more information please check out mentalkingmindfulness.com. mindfulness.com